You know, I, I'm not, I don't care about the conspiracy theories, who caused 9-11 and all that. All I know is those buildings came down, there was a big dust cloud, and we were sent in there under the, under the, uh, under the pretense that it was a safe working environment. And then that's the bottom line. When it comes down to it, the government admitted that they lied to us about the air quality. And, and, and that just seems to have escaped uh, the consciences of, of our politicians. For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. Rob Sarah was a 21-year-old firefighter from Staten Island when he got out of the fire academy on September 10, 2001. His first response as a firefighter was the very next day, September 11th, after terrorists brought down the World Trade Center's Twin Towers. Within an hour of arriving at Ground Zero and with what he describes as what felt like cake batter coating his face, he got a bloody nose and a few hours later passed out on a wheel of a bulldozer. He, like so many thousands of others, now suffers from a long list of illnesses as a result of responding to Ground Zero. He's been to Capitol Hill seven times over the years, along with other first responders, fighting for funding, for monitoring, and treatment for those made sick by the toxins. Organized labor has been a part of that fight from the beginning. Making the Victim Compensation Fund permanent is a priority of the New York State AFL-CIO. Joining me now on the phone from New York City is Rob Sarah. Rob, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, you've had a long couple of days, I know, on Capitol Hill um, and had some doctor appointments to fit in when you returned home. So I just want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Um, I'd like to talk to you about the Victim Compensation Fund in just a moment. But first, can you take me back to when you started your career as a New York City firefighter? Sure. I uh, I went to the fire academy in July of 2001, um, and I got out of the academy on September 10th, 2001. And uh, September 11th, I had a day off. I was driving to hockey team tryouts when I uh, I saw the towers on fire and went home and switched out my gear, and that that was that. So that was your first official day as a firefighter. was was on September 11th, 2001. Correct. That was my first uh, first response. I I read somewhere that you were you actually still had the tags on your uniform. Yeah, because when you're in the academy, they just give you used gear to wear, you know, because you're. You're basically destroying it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I hadn't actually worn my own gear yet uh, until that day because uh, I'm not sure what day I was due to report to my firehouse. I think it was like Wednesday or Thursday. So, yeah, I uh, I, re I responded to uh, Rescue 5 here on Staten Island, and they put us on a bus, and I started pulling the tags off my gear. And I can't even imagine what that must have been like. And, and obviously, everybody didn't know exactly what was going on, and, and you just had to go. And we thank you very much for even, you know, for doing that, of course. 
did it ever cross your mind during that time when you were when you were there on those days in Ground Zero w- that you were being exposed to toxins? Uh, sure. I mean, even on September 11th itself, it, it seemed fairly obvious that that something was going on. I mean, the air was was so thick you can you could take a bite out of it. You know, um, everyone had a, about an inch uh, or a half inch of uh, looked like cake batter caked all over their faces. So I mean, it, it was sort of reasonable to believe that it wasn't good, you know. And and I had just gotten out of the academy where where they taught us about the dangers of breathing in pulverized glass and all stuff like that. And and so there I was, breathing in pulverized glass on my first day. Do you um, know? Did you keep track? Do you know how many days you actually spent there? Um, I I only spent uh, about three days at at ground zero and I, I spent a day uh at the fresh kills landfill um sorting through the debris there okay and then at some point your brothers and sister firefighters started becoming ill i'm wondering when did you first notice signs that something was wrong well i noticed it instantly uh i i was there for about an hour um and i got a bloody nose and it was pretty bad and it bled about three or four hours and i actually uh I remember I passed out on the on the on the wheel of a bulldozer. Um, so pretty much from day one, um, and then the the fire department sent us for a, a post nine eleven um, medical. And fortunately, I had just gotten on, so I had my my pre pre firing medical was only six months old, so I had a pretty good comparison. And uh, my lung capacity in April of two thousand one was at ninety four percent. And in October of 2001, it was at 79%. Wow. And I'm a non-smoker. I was 21 years old, so I was fair to say I was pretty healthy at the time. So I knew something was up right away. So what can you? Um, are you comfortable talking about the health issues that you're dealing with now? Yeah, sure. That's that's what we're doing, right? Yeah, right. What are some of the things uh, that you're you're dealing with? So initially, uh, my my. My initial problems were sinus polyps. Um, I had a few dozen um, on my sinuses and and in my nostrils, um, and I ended up having surgery in 2010 because uh, at that point where I couldn't breathe through my nose anymore. Um, and after that, I continued to work for a couple of years, but uh, the sinus infections were getting were getting too much to take. I think I had uh, I was on antibiotics 20 times in two years. I was in the, in the hospital a couple of times. Um, and then since then, um, I've been diagnosed with GERD, sleep apnea, um, PTSD. Um, those are the official 9-11 illnesses. Um, unofficially, since they're not, uh, treatable illnesses yet, I have, uh, neuropathy and some neurological issues. So my, my hands and my feet go numb, um, you know, all sorts of, uh, autoimmune type problems. Um, and like most other people, I have stomach issues like IBS, so that's another one of my problems. And how old are you, Rob? I'm 39. So you're obviously, you're enrolled in the World Trade Center Health Program? Yes. 
talk to me a little bit about that process. Um, just for those who wonder, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing, right? There is quite a bit you have to go through before you're officially accepted into the program, I would imagine. Correct. Yeah. Um, and there, there's two, there's actually two programs. There's the National World Trade Center Health Program and the FDNY actually has their own. So it was actually easier for us because the fire department had their own proof already because they knew that I was there. Um, but for the other program, um, you know, you need affidavits, uh, photos, pay stubs. Uh, if, if you're a police officer, you need your 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 uh, your logbook or your notebook or whatever. Um, so there are you do, do you do have to go through a series of steps to get enrolled in the program, but um, you know, which which I guess is good because it helps keep out people who don't belong. So when you were on Capitol Hill, can you talk to me about that a little bit? I mean, how many times have you gone to Capitol Hill um, to talk to members of Congress, and and what were those experiences like? Um, this go-around, I, I believe uh, this week was my seventh trip since October. Um, and it's 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 a bit different tone than it was in, back in 2015, um, I guess because, because 2015 – the healthcare portion of the bill had expired, so uh, it was just it was different because all the doctors in the program were starting to leave. So people who were who were studying all these illnesses for for all these years and had all the had all the information were now looking for other jobs. So it was a little bit different. But now um, the reception down there is is not not as uh, warm as I would like. I would say. Um, but it, it seems like this last trip, we, we kind of picked up steam. Um, but you know, it's, uh, it, it's moving a little slower than, than you would think. You know, and that's probably hard to people for people to wrap their head around when you say that, because you just can't imagine if, if all of you were there when our country needed you and then to think that anyone would hesitate now, I mean, what, what is the problem? I, is it that and I'm sure it's a question that you ask when you're standing there with them? Um, but is it just that when time, you know, because they think time has gone by and we should have addressed all of these people? I mean, because we know that so many more people are getting sick every day. Yeah, we know that, and 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 the experts have been saying that all along that that it was going to take time for people to get sick. Actually, you know, they we're actually getting sicker sooner than they predicted. You know, everyone just assumed because of the amount of asbestos and stuff like that that it would take at least 20 years for the cancers to to come out. But here we are, after just 17 years, we already have over 10,000 cancer cases. So we, it's uh, it's actually worse than the experts thought. Um, and then when you look at the way the program functions, uh, it's hard to find a government program that functions as well as this one does. There have been zero cases of fraud. Um, when, when the health care portion of the bill expired in 2015, they, they were running so efficiently that they actually had money to, to keep operating for another eight or nine months after the program uh, expired. How many government programs could do that? Right. That's a good so point. So it, it, that makes it even more frustrating because in, in 2010, they, they didn't believe we were sick. And they, made, they gave us a five-year bill, and they made us prove that we were sick, and they wanted to make sure that there was no fraud. Both things got proven. It was zero fraud, and and obviously there was a need for the health care because we're sick. 2015, they gave us the 75 years on the health care because they finally acknowledged the fact that we're sick, but they only gave us five years on the VCF, which 
doesn't really make sense because if you if you go by what the experts say, expiring in 2020, that still puts us 19 years out, and we're still not even at the, the date where they say things are going to really start to turn bad. So it, it's frustrating, and, and you know I'm sure there's political reasons that are over my head why they keep making us come back every five years because if you look in 2015, you know the games that were played and how we got pulled out of the bill we were supposed to be on and put in another bill because because of what Senate leaders wanted to get, you know, it's frustrating. If you feel like you're being you're being used like a football. Yeah, I can't even imagine. So when you do go, I mean, I, sadly, your your numbers are probably fewer. I'm sure you've lost some very close friends who have lobbied with you in prior years. Sure, um, you, you know, uh, Ray Pfeiffer for one. Um, Several, several, uh, several people that that lobbied with us in 2015 aren't here anymore. Um, I think uh, we're up to every two and a half days somebody dies from a 9/11 illness. Um, in the FDNY alone, we have over 2,000 people with with a 9/11 cancer right now. Um, we have dozens of, of of members in hospice care right now. So it's it, it, it's coming and it, it's happening and and. I think more and more people in our community are starting to know this because it's hard not to. You know, everyone seems to know somebody going through this now. So when, um, just take me to one of these meetings with a member of Congress, if you can. What's your message to them? What do you actually say to them? I mean, they must see you. I know you were in a wheelchair when you did this last visit, right? So they know that there's, right. there, there are health issues. Right. And, 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 you know, we go around the room, it depends on the size of the group that we're in the meeting that, that we have in the meeting, but we go around the room, we tell our stories, we give them all the stats, we give them a giant book with all the statistics in it. So, so they can, you know, they can see it. Um, you know, and, and our goal when we go down there is just to put a face to this. So, so they're not just seeing numbers on a page. You know, they get to hear stories from, from people with cancer, people who've lost their spouses to cancer, um, stories from, from, from school children who, who were told that the air was safe. So 19,000 students went back to school. So we have kids who, who spent their days walking to and from school in that dust cloud, you know, spending their day in that, in that dust cloud. So they're hearing from a wide variety of people. It's not just cops and firefighters there. It's... You know, we run the gamut, um, and it depends on the meeting. It depends on who you're meeting with and, and what their agenda is, and that, that usually dictates the tone of the meeting. Um, you know, you, you could tell fairly early on if they're receptive and, and if they're actually listening to what you're saying. Um, so I guess we just let the meeting dictate the tone. And for those um, who feel like uh, they hesitate, do they? is there any explanation for their hesitation? It's usually about money. Um, there's some key words you can hear, like appropriations, um, pay for, things like that. And once you hear that, you, you know exactly where they're coming from. And, and usually it's, it seems to me like it's a, it's a uh, pre-written response that, that, that they were given. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's really the pushback that we get is, 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 is the money and fraud. And like I said, we... We've had zero cases of fraud, and this 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 uh, program is being watched by the by the judicial system. So 
I mean, it's the federal government that's monitoring it. So if there was any fraud, it would be on them, <laughs> you know, so that's, that's another frustrating part. And so for those who say, um, well, people have insurance, there, this is about much more than just insurance, right? This fund? Yes. Well, people say that, but also, you know, how insurance works, with, mm-hmm. especially with pre-existing conditions and, and, and stuff like that. Like the city workers, like firefighters and cops, yeah, we're lucky because because this is this is a line of duty injury for us. So for the most part, we're you know, we're covered. But a lot of the people that responded there were like those those students I was talking about, you know, they're in their twenties now and they're they're entering the workforce. Some of them have pre existing conditions. So so how are they gonna get insurance? And then there's then there's a matter of life insurance. You know, none of these people can get life insurance now, especially if you if you already have an illness. Mm-hmm. So how are you expected to take care of your family when when, when when these experts are predicting that, you know, the deaths are going to are going to go up, you know, thirty five to forty thousand people in the next two to five years, you know, and all these people have families, and 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 then, I guess the misconception is, you know, it's seventeen years later, everyone's older, and and you know, obviously we all die anyway, but we're talking about people in the, in their twenties, thirties, and forties, not not in their sixties, seventies, and eighties, you know, so to that. I couldn't imagine the worry for some of these people when you when you're starting out your job and you, and you can't get health insurance, you can't get life insurance, and you want you, you want to start a family and you have the worry of getting sick in your head. You, you know that's not right either. And all those people were sent to their houses and sent back to their schools. And at the end of the day, they knew it was misinformation, and now they need to take care of the people. That's how I feel. Right. And, and, you know, you said yourself, even though um, people, I guess, trusted at the time that it was safe or that's what they were being told, you knew, though, it wasn't and you still went, you know, which is pretty remarkable. Are you feeling optimistic the fund will be made permanent? I am. Um, I, I, I believe that uh, our leadership in Washington, you know, uh, Congresswoman Maloney, uh, Congressman King, Senator Gillibrand, and Senator Schumer, and and Senator Gardner, I, I really believe that they won't stop until this is this is passed because you know they they see it firsthand. Do they know people personally that are affected by this? So you know, I think that um, you know when they say that they're they're not going to stop till till it gets done, I believe them. Tell me a little bit about your family. Uh, sure. Um, I have a wife, uh, three kids. Uh, they're five, eight, and nine. Um, my wife, she actually lost her father on 9-11. He worked uh, at Cannon Fitzgerald. Um, I have a brother who was a firefighter who was, who was there also. Uh, my father worked for the DOT, and he operated machines there and, and, and uh, you know, helped caught the debris away and I have another brother who worked uh on wall street so he worked downtown manhattan also so um very close to home yeah for all of you yeah that's pretty much uh <laughs> my whole family is involved in this you know talk to escape it so how are you doing now rob how are you feeling how are you doing um it's you know it's, it's day to day it depends uh you know, um, cold weather doesn't help. But, uh, you know, I, I try to just keep my mind focused on, on other things. Um, 
you know, I, I'd rather not get into too much about me because I know there's other people out there that are suffering more than I am. Um, no, I understand. You know, so, I understand. you know, I don't want to, I don't want to seem like I'm complaining or anything like that because I'm here. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the most important thing I can deal with pain and I can deal with, with illnesses as long as I can at least be here and, and be able to talk to my children and, and just be here for them. So that's what I focus on. You know, I have good days and bad, but mm-hmm. you know, we all do. So now you're also on the board of the uh, Ray Pfeiffer foundation. Correct. Tell me about that foundation. Ray was a firefighter. Um, he, he passed away in 2017. Beloved FDNY hero has lost his battle with cancer. Ray Pfeiffer was one of the thousands of firefighters who worked for months on the toxic piles at Ground Zero. Six years later, he was diagnosed with renal cancer. While battling cancer, Pfeiffer became a champion for the. He was he was the face of the uh, of the 2015 fight for the bill. Um, if you ever saw pictures of. of of a guy in, in his uniform in, in a wheelchair, that was Ray. Um, he, he battled stage four renal cancer for eight years. Um, he had multiple surgeries. He, he dealt with a lot, but he always showed up. He was always there. Um, and he, he kept fighting for, for till, till the day he died. He kept, he kept you know, fighting to help people. So uh, what we do is, like we were talking about insurance before, you know, the World Trade Center Health Program you know, as good as it is, it's like any other insurance, you know, it doesn't cover everything. Um, and especially right now when we have people waiting on their VCFs, um, you know, I think it's about an 18, 18 month wait. Um, and now it's going to be even longer with the, with the cutback. So what we do is we fill in the gaps. Like if, if, if someone, uh, needs a motorized wheelchair or a hospital bed in their house or a ramp or uh, portable oxygen tanks, um, all that stuff isn't covered. Um, there's treatments at Sloan um, because a lot of the, the treatments that Sloan does are considered experimental, so they're not covered by the program. You know, so when someone goes there and, and the doctors are telling you that they think this is the best course of treatment, isn't that the treatment you want? So, you know, and, you know, it's tough and it's, it's expensive. Um, so that's where the Ray Pfeiffer Foundation comes in. We started about a year and a half ago uh, in Ray's memory, um, basically to continue his legacy of helping other responders. Um, he was big into paying it forward. So that's, that's what we try to do because in, in this, anyone who's dealt with these illnesses, you get a lot of doors closed in your face, you know? So it's nice to be able to tell someone yes. And where can people find more information on the foundation? Uh, our website is the Ray Pfeiffer foundation.org. Um, we're also all across social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, you can find us. Um, you can find. You'll see. We have a link for an events page if people are interested in in coming to one of our events, or you could just simply make a donation right there on the website. Um, and our foundation is 100% volunteer. Um, it's our board is is six firefighters and uh, um, one very very great woman who who basically keeps us running. So uh, that's it. None of us get paid. At all. All the donations go directly to uh, sick 9-11 first responders. So that's, that's our goal.
Well, Rob, on behalf of the New York State AFL-CIO, I thank you for all you've done and all you've sacrificed since 9-11. Our president, Mario Salento, is committed to doing all that we can as an organization to ensure you and so many others get the compensation and support that you rightly deserve. So thank you so much, Rob, for sharing your story with us today. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. After being denied help for years, 90,000 9-11 responders and survivors from around the country who went to the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, and the Shanksville crash site are now getting medical monitoring, treatment, and compensation for their injuries. They are in every state and in 434 out of 435 congressional districts. The New York State AFL-CIO is committed to ensuring the fund will be available in the future as more become ill. A bipartisan bill, Never Forget the Heroes, permanent authorization of the September 11th Victim Compensation Fund Act has been introduced. You can learn more about the legislation in our previous podcast, and we'll include links with additional information in our show notes. Joining me now is our digital director, Kevin Eitzman. Kevin, if folks want to help to get this bill over the finish line, what can they do? I mean, after listening to that interview, I think everybody wants to help, you know, mm-hmm. get this over the finish line. That was really emotional hearing, uh, you know, his story, and I'm, I'm glad we got to, to talk to him. Uh, to get it done, you know, we need everybody around the country to contact their representatives. And the easiest way to do that is to go to renew911health.org. Uh, there you have uh, what they've said in the past about 9-11. It'll connect you directly to their representatives. You can also go to our website, nysaflco.org. We'll have this podcast up there. We'll have uh, other ways that you can contact your members. Uh, So really get involved no matter where you are. We need to get it over the fish line. And also uh, one way that you can participate is subscribe to this podcast. Give us a rating and you'll get your own union made union strong hat. We have a form right on the website, unionstrongny.com. And you can see the podcast, participate, fill out the form and we'll get a hat out right to you. Great, Kevin. Those are good looking hats too. So I think people are going to like them. Thank you. For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells. Until next time, stay union, stay strong.